What's up? What's happening? Welcome back to episode 94 of Skates at the Stakes. I'm your host, AJ DeVito. And you could certainly say there was a hockey game that went on tonight. Or today, this this morning, this afternoon, wherever you're, you're watching it. The Islanders dropped game four, 5-2 to the Carolina Hurricanes at home. They got crushed at home. Feels bad. I went to the game. You're not going to hear me talk too much. I really don't have a voice, and I am quite... Uh, had, I had a few too many beverages, so I'm not feeling great. Boys, how are we doing? Where did you guys watch game four? And uh, let's talk some Islanders hockey, because I know everyone's loving that right now on the timeline. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to Skates of the Stakes, a New York Islanders podcast in our 94th episode. Um, so, yeah, back on it again. Uh, Rat Martin on Twitter. Ryan here. Uh, Jake will talk next. Prime Jakey on Twitter. Uh, stalling from the inevitable, but I was able to watch the game today, game four uh, from Yankee Stadium. Um, in the Bronx, I was watching on the MSG app in my lap the whole time uh, while screaming, just just kind of screaming at the horrifying pain that was going on. Uh, at least the at least the Yankees lost. I know some of you won't like that, but uh, it was a fun game to go to. Uh, but yeah, it was like one of those. We'll also get into Game Three here on the pod tonight. The Islanders are down in the series three-one at the moment, just to kind of time date this. Uh, the Islanders won their first game at UBS Arena. That was a great moment. I think that's one of the best moments of the year. Came on uh, Friday night, only for on Sunday at noon for it to be taken away with just an earth-shattering. Uh, what, what was the final? Five-two, five-two loss. Just, just mind-numbingly badly officiated game from the first period onward uh we were playing ref puck from the onset like it was it's very frustrating that the refs wouldn't put the whistles away and let the islanders play a playoff game at five on five just a power play penalty kill contest uh that we came up short in because our power play is abysmal and our penalty kill is working way too much because of all the penalties which uh that that really shouldn't be how it works but without further ado i'll kick it over to jake jake how you doing pal yeah, uh, this sucks. Um, no other way to put it. Great win on Friday. Probably one of the, I mean, arguably, not arguably, the best win in UBS Arena history. Uh, Maxine is back. No more higher love. Um, Maxine was not played today. Um, just it was a, it was a bad game. Uh, a lot of discourse on Twitter. I was obviously upset, <clears throat> um, but the series isn't over. Hurricanes do not have four wins in the series yet. They have three. Um, we'll get back into it Tuesday. Um, it sucks. I want to talk. I want to talk about Game Three because it was awesome. But now, now all I can think about right now is Game Four and how bad it was and what happens next. And I'm sure we'll break that all down. Uh, for you guys watching, Sagan just scored three one. Oof! Big day of hockey. But Game Three was a lot of fun. I couldn't go to that sadly. I was watching. Um, I was watching obviously. They did it. They pulled it out. They broke some records while doing it. And I want to, I want to Barzal rookie shadow box card. So, you know, the good fortunes of giving cards away on this account, good karma. So I want a cool Barzal card. Shout out uh, a pizza sports guy. He rocks. Awesome dude. But game three, it was fun. Of course, we gave up a shorthanded goal. And my favorite part of it was the refs were on our side, if any side. Am I wrong about anything I've said so far? No. Uh, I, I wouldn't say the refs were on our side at all today. Just, just No, no, I said, I said game three. 
Oh, yeah, game three, I, I think the refs called it. I mean, we said on the pod last time that, um, you know, the uh, refs owed us one after how game two ended with the Mayfield slash to the face, no call. Um, so, you know, it's it's one of those things where they owed us a game. Uh, they probably owed us a series. Uh, but, you know, they, they turned uh, the whiff- whistles inward in game three. They were able to call it pretty favorably to the Islanders. So that was cool, um, I guess. But then in game four, they just went back to their old ways with uh, old West Miss Coley uh, skating around the ice. So that, that was not fun. Uh, but, yeah, game three was awesome. Just one of the best moments UBS Arena's had all year. It was number two for me in UBS history lore so far. The first one was the time Kiefer Bello scored a goal. That that rocked. Yeah, that was cool. Mine is when Atu Ratu scored a goal. Um, that that was cool. Um, you know, but whatever happened to that guy? Uh, He's no Kiefer we'll Bellows. He is no Kiefer Bellows. No, he. You could say he is a shit Kiefer Bellows. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it, it's one of those things where. Yeah, it was just such a cool moment. I had so much fun watching the game. They looked like the Islanders had solved the Hurricanes in a similar way to the, what they did against the Bruins a couple of years back and the Penguins a couple of years back, where in the moment it felt like, okay, we solved these guys. We can beat these guys. We know we can beat these guys. We have the belief. We have the confidence. Let's go out and do it the rest of the series. Let's go take the next game at home. And you expected them to come fired up for game four, which they did. They played a great, what was it, six minutes of hockey in game Game four, but uh, back to game three, you know, the the support scoring came through. The primary scoring didn't really come. But, you know, the second line lit the world on fire. The fourth line had a great game. The third line had a good game. First line, you could ask more from. The defense was awesome. Sorokin was pretty good. Um, he, you know, he, he didn't do as much work. Uh, and I don't even know if that's fair. I think he had a really good game. Uh, Game three, like he helped win them the game more than anyone. But it was one of those things where the offense looked so good that Sorokin didn't have to totally bail them out at times. And then once the goals finally came and they broke through at the end, it, it overflowed with goals. It was just goal after goal after goal, which was absolutely awesome in the final five minutes. And you kind of wish they saved some of those for today. Yeah, it would have been nice because we have, I mean, yes, we won five, five, one, we lost five, two. You have two goals from your, you know, top-line players coming in respectfully. I don't mean this with much disrespect here. Garbage time. I know I was very... I was pretty annoyed uh, when Horvat scored, I'm not going to lie, because it's just the Chris Paul meme all over again. I'm happy he got a goal. Maybe he plays really well next game because of it. But I was like, you know, you're down 42. He's been really, really, really struggling the entire series. You just want more from Horvat, and people are very upset with him right now. Rightfully so. I think, you know, I was not happy at the time, but, you know, sober AJ, better thoughts AJ. It's fine. It'll be fine. He's still a good hockey player. He needs to get going, though, because he has not helped this team at all this series. Lee hasn't done much. He got the goal up 5-1, and Barzal's not at 100%. He's not playing well. They need to figure it the fuck out and figure it out quick. You don't have much time left. You have one life for now. Yeah, I'm not sure if they're practicing tomorrow, they're but not. the lines are going to be. They're not. Rosner yeah. said they aren't. Yeah, I figured. Um, but um, whenever, Tuesday morning then, whenever they put the lines out, it's going to be interesting because Lane's going to have to go down swinging in one way or another. Um 
you know, the first line isn't working. I will stick to Bo. You know, he's not, he's gripping his stick tight. He's not doing everything he needs to do. He's having a bad series. And uh, I think, you know, you realize you're in it for the long run with Bo. Uh, Friends of the Pod Through the Island podcast, they had a funny tweet today that said they're a Horvat centrist. They think Bo's been terrible in this series. But in the long run, it's still going to work out. And I think I agree with that um, at the moment. I, th- I think that's the perfect way to put it. I think give the guy eight years, we'll put it together. He's a 30-plus goal scorer the past couple years at least by rate statistics he, he didn't forget how to pick it up he didn't forget how to play hockey this has been a really bad series and that stall line is doing a great job of neutralizing the bars all line that being said Anders Lee has gone ghost in the playoffs and that is my biggest point of concern um that Lee can't play with Barzal and Horvat and we keep putting him out there with Barzal and Horvat so that's super frustrating Bo Horvat's goal today, be it in garbage time, and I don't want to super analyze it. Happy Bo got on the scoreboard. You could tell he's frustrated. He didn't celebrate the goal. Just gave it to the bench, gave back to the dot. Um, and in the post-game presser, he did say he's frustrated with his play right now. So I think all the people killing Horvat, like I know we kill professional athletes for much less, but you know, if you're killing Horvat right now, you just have to kind of realize there's a man behind the, the person. He's trying his best out there. It's just not coming for him. And his underlines are still fine. He's still doing the best to have anyone on that line right now. But Anders Lee is a $7 million anchor at the moment. So that's that's not funding. You have to find a place for Lee in the lineup. And Lane's going to have to go down swinging. I think you put Lee on the second line. You just pray that Palmieri and Brock keep their chemistry. And you can put Lee there and maybe move Engvall up. Or you move Lee down to the third line. Just something to neutralize what he's doing right now. Move him to PP2, let Bo play in the bumper. Because what Lee is doing right now is awful. He's just out in front of the net in the offensive zone when the puck's back in our defensive end. He only really knows one mode and one speed, and he's not doing anything productive. AJ was right all season. It's just not working with Andres Lee at this point. So maybe a system change in the summer. Maybe you come and tweak some things. Maybe Lee can still work out here. But at the moment, I've never been as low as an Islander that's on a team I consider to be really good and a team full of guys I like as I am on Andres Lee at the moment after this playoff series. I don't think I've ever been this upset to hear the words come out of your mouth, AJ was right. But uh, yeah, Anders Lee needs to be better because he's getting paid $7 million for another three or four years, and it's just not working. He's not, you know, you look at the Rangers. They have Chris Kreider. Those two were kind of comparable throughout their careers. Would, would you say that's a fair thing? They're kind of, they're not similar players, but they've been with their team, a winger for a long period of time. And I've always looked at the two as comparables just because of metrics. And Chris Kreider. No, I, I think that's fair. Chris I, I Kreider think is and Chris night totally and fair day comment. better than him. And Kreider, do you want to know the worst part? Look at Carter's stats this year. He's been terrible. We got Vin. How was Carter this year for you guys? And he wasn't going to do the 40, 40, 50 goal thing he did last year. Sure, we get that. How was he in your opinion? Like, he's fine. He wasn't terribly. It's not like 35 or something, but he wasn't as good. Okay, obviously. to clarify if you couldn't hear Vin, uh, he wasn't as good because he didn't put up 50 or whatever goals he put up last year, which yeah. was totally, totally crazy stuff. Um, but he's still, this is saying in, if you can hear that honking, game's a game, uh, but you could, you know, Kreider does more for the Rangers, even on a down year, 
that Anders Lee is doing for the Islanders on a down year. Even on the fucking power, on the power play, what he's doing now, he's going to draw people, you know, people open. I mean, Anders Lee just stands there. Yeah, thank you to our Rangers correspondent, Ben, on the podcast, at Adam Foxymoto on Twitter. <laughs> um, don't awful. follow him. Don't, oh, don't okay. follow him. Um, but, yeah, no, it, it's basically, they were comparable at a point in their careers. Like, when Lee was going for 40 goals, it was a time where we thought, oh, yeah, it's a better version of Kreider, and they both signed similar contracts. And then Lee got his money and took a step back, and Kreider got his money and went sicko mode, and now he's the New York Rangers' all-time leading playoff goal scorer. Um, so that's that's basically that on Lee and Kreider, just one guy step forward, one step back. But Lee's foot speed on the skates is just so slow right now that it's killing the chemistry that Barzal and Horvat could potentially have. And I I think it's kind of like, you know, the easy move. You just put them with someone else and pray it works. If, if you're going to die on a sword this year, don't die on the sword if that first line is going to work just because it's our most expensive line. Uh, to bring it back to the Rangers for a second, I know no one wants to hear about the Rangers right now. We're up 2-1 in their series, hopefully. By the time you listen to this on Tuesday, if you want to listen to it Tuesday morning, the Rangers are tied up 2-2. But, like, the thing is with their thing is they had – Panarin going sicko mode that they trusted, Mika going sicko mode that they trusted, and they put him on different lines. If you trust Andersley to still be a high pro, like a high potential, highly potent NHL player, put him on a different line than Barzal. Let him do his thing because the two styles just don't match. Horvat's caught in the middle of the two. It's normally just Barzal and Horvat going into the like zone at the same time and Lee huffing and puffing to catch up. But it's just really frustrating stuff. Maybe move Lee to Brock's line if you think their foot speed works better together. Move him to Paggio's line if you want to just neutralize the impact and see what happens. But it's been brutal stuff for Andres. Barzi's coming back. He's not at 100. I'm not being too critical of Matt Barzal this series. AJ, what do you think of Barzi this kind of three-game, four-game run? He was the worst New York Islander. I know. I don't want to be too critical. He was the worst New York Islander on the ice game three. He was levels bad that game he couldn't complete a pass the shorthanded goal was because of him and he did nothing to help the team with all due respect of course because he is coming back from an injury so i want to give him a little bit of a of a rope he was terrible he was the worst player on the ice and i want more from him even when he's hurt and not at a hundred percent Yeah, no, I want more out of Barzi this series. Hopefully he comes back next year ready to go. And will, uh, or he comes back here for game five completely ready to go. But he's still a little off, him and Horvath figuring out the chemistry. And then Lee's just kind of oafing around and making things really frustrating for the two of them. And I like Anders Lee the person. I don't, I don't want to be like smashing and destroying Anders Lee, but it's the first line isn't working. Your first line, we've spent so much money and committed so much of our future to this first line. It really has to work. It's put up or shut up time, and they're shutting the fuck up. Um, Horvat's going on shorty. He got a breakaway. That's the hockey he should be playing. Rah. Um, rah. Shit, guy finally scored. Um, yeah, no, it's like it's one of those things where Horvat is such a cool player and dynamic player that we're, like, locking him on a first line with Anders Lee, like, tying a uh an anchor to his foot. Um, and I'm not saying just throw a different first line out there every game, but it's our last game. Throw out a better mix for Borzal and Horvat, Or even do what I said with, you know, Kreider or Zabinajad and Panarin. You throw Barzal out as center in the first line. You move up Pierre. You throw him with 
Lee and Pierre or something, and then you put Horvat as the center on the second or third line. I, I don't know how it will work, but move Horvat to a different line if you have to, and just hope he's more dynamic there. But there's something off with the chemistry right now. I have no doubt in the future that they're going to work out together, and Horvat will go back to being a 30 goal scorer, and Barzal will go back to being a dynamic win man. But right now, it feels like we have two Robins out there, and the freaking the freaking joker in Anders Lee because he's making me watch the like team and become the freaking joker out there. Jake, what, what's your take on the first line right now? Those guys, <clears throat> the first line, are making $24.65 million a year, and they're our worst line right now. Uh, the first line is not supposed to be the worst line. Um, I'm not going to come on here and yell about how Horvat is bad and how Lou is bad for getting him and blah, blah, blah. Um, Lee is just a liability at this point. And we've been saying this, me and AJ have been saying this for a few weeks now. Um, He scored a garbage time goal last game. He brought that up. But he just, he brought up Kreider. Kreider contributes on the power play. Kreider shoots the puck. He's not, he's not looking for these net front goals that that Lee is doing. And Lee just, he can't move um, ref ball or not. He wasn't playing well defensively on the Fox goal in overtime. He wasn't back there. That was lazy. He's making $7 million for the next four years. That's concerning. Um, maybe, and he's your captain. You can't just like, oh, you can just scratch him. Oh, we can just buy him out. I, they're not going to buy out four years of the contract. At least I think. They Bo might. Horvat, not four years. What's up? Like, I was looking at it a, a few weeks ago after the, you know, after everyone was being a doomer. And I was too, to be fair, after the Capitals game. I think if you buy him out, it's going to take $4 million off the cap this year, $5 million off the cap next year, and I think then 3-3-3 three, 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 or 3-3 three, three or whatever. I could have read that wrong, though. So if you want to look it up, uh, Jake, when you're done talking, please do, because you could read that stuff better than I can. You're not buying out Anders Lee. You're you not going to. Better. But, well, I'm not. I'm not the GPM. Yeah. No, I know. The cap it's going to look... Ugly, and do we really want to sit on it if he's going to do nothing? I don't want to buy him out. I just want him to be a good hockey player. I mean, if we're not spending the cap, I don't care about the cap. Like, that's that's something that's really disappointing to me right now is that the Islanders left bullets in the chamber and didn't spend to the cap. They died with $6 million left in cap space out on the deadline day, but which is fine. Want? But when you see John Klingberg going for like a third or a fourth, and I know I wasn't pro getting Klingberg at the time, but the fact that we didn't spend to the cap at the deadline and we still had more room to improve this roster for the playoff run, even though I like all these guys and I don't really think anyone fits in perfectly. And this is irrational thinking, but it's, it's just kind of like pissing me off at the moment is we did die with some cap space on the table. So buy out Bailey, you know, in the summer if, if you have to if the team doesn't intend to spend on the cap to the cap uh but you know that's on ownership that's not really on lou or what whoever's signing the che- or whoever's writing the checks if ownership's paying the money but they died with cap space on the table so that's frustrating so i i don't think bio should be written off but Andersley, you know you can deploy him better you can put him on pp2 as a net front guy he can't be on this power play it's if Horvat's best spot is right in front of the net, you can't have Anders Lee there and think Bo's just going to be a, a bumper guy. So that that's kind of my take on it at the moment. He's not very dynamic. He's being slow. Uh, hopefully the summer lets him heal up or hopefully he's able to find his leg before game five. But truly, truly rancid hockey from Anders Lee this week. So you said John Klingberg. 
let's go back to this real quick. Who are you playing, John? Who are you playing, John Klingberg over on our decor? There's not a single guy I would take out for John Klingberg, with all due respect. You're not saying Noah Dobson. You you're not saying Noah Dobson. You can't. I'm not saying Noah Dobson. I'm I'm just saying like at a point, you know, you put him on his weak side and put him in over Aho or something. Aho's been fine. But Aho's been really it good. Solves the, it solves the Bulldog problem from the first two games, no? Fair, fair. That's a good point. But at that, I mean, yes, I we all did say get a seventh defenseman. So point to you there. But with the healthy, healthy, excuse me, decor, he's not. He shouldn't be touching the ice. I think Aho's actually fine. Aho's been solid. I'm not complaining about Aho's game. Yeah, and I didn't mean Klingberg especially. It could have been, you know, Dmitry Kulikov, who I'm not being great for the Penguins. But just the fact that they left money on the table and were just like, we're good with this roster, when they still had the means to go out and improve it a little bit more so that in the first round they would have the depth. Like, when we point back to the Islanders' playoff series of old, and now we're not pointing to the Pajot series uh, or the Pajot year because we got Pajot and Coburn, but the next year we threw on, like, $3 million for Travis Zajac into one of our deals, and he wound up being a playoff performer even if that wasn't really the expectation when he got here um so it's just the kind of concept that they did leave money on the table and they did hit a point where they had to start sam bolduke and now we're going into a game um a critical game five and we're looking up and down the roster and we're looking who we could scratch for one game and who we could put in and the options either Holmey or bailey which Holmey, i don't i I don't I don't think he's much different than Bolduke where the lights would be too bright. I wouldn't expect something too crazy for from Holmey, even though I kinda hope he plays next game. But, you know, Bailey's our other alternative and nothing's nothing's coming out of that, I don't think. Uh, respect to Josh Bailey. I mean I might say no to Bailey. Honestly, you got not you got nothing to lose right now. I wouldn't hate if Josh Bailey played his final game as an islander. Win or lose I think he deserves one more go at it, and game's a game. I don't mind it. Jake, did you look at that contract yet or no? The buyout? Yeah, I have it. I mean, I, I'm just as pointless reading it as you, but... um, <laughs> It's confusing. <laughs> yeah, hold on. So if you press on Annesley's contract... Um, <sighs> okay, we'll do some uh, talking while you try to figure it out. Yes, yes, I yes. found it. I found it. Let me do it quick. Um, so... This is friend of the pod, Filzy Facts. If you buy out Anders Lee's contract, the cap hit next year is $200,000. Then it goes up to 3.2. Then it goes out to 4.6. Then it goes up to 2.1. stays at 2.1 through 2029. But as the, the camp I've always been in is if you're buying out contracts you've signed, it's time for a new general manager. So I don't think Lou would buy out that contract. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, obviously you get a lot of help year one, but after that it's ugly and just a sore. And it would just kind of suck to see. the If Anders Lee's gone, that Islander era is over from the Barry, the Barry Trotz era is over, but, like, that entire reign is gone. It's dusted. Yeah, no, I, I agree. He was the face of that. And I don't think you're buying out Lee. I think you just need him to play better um, because he did wind up scoring, what, was it 30 this year? No, definitely not 30. I think he, not, no, I'm not trying to say that. Oh, man, number 27 with 27. Oh, my God. Uh, 28. It wound up being 28. Oh, he got, okay. There was a lot, I thought it was like 25. I, I was being a little bit harsh there. How many points did he put up? 49, I believe. 
fifty. He put yeah, up fifty. He just points. put up fifty points. Oh. He's still gonna be on the team next year. I the, the buyout thing was just like a silly side thought, but like Yeah, no, I know. We went way too. No, they gotta to utilize it. him better too. They can't put him on the like him and Horvath aren't gonna work. And I don't know why they have Who's he gonna it. work with then though? That's my thing. Well, I don't I don't know. I don't know. That's not <laughs> that's not on me to figure out. It's not on anyone to figure out except the coaches and Anders Lee. Yeah, Lou's given, like, I don't want to ride for Lou at the moment because, uh, I mean, I ride for Lou at the moment. Like, I always do. He's built a pretty good roster. It's about on the coaches and the players to figure it out. Um, you know, don't pout, figure it out. It, it's one of those things. It's like Lou has built a good team. I think a good amount of Islanders fan, maybe 60%, would say you run it back again next year with a very similar-looking roster, add some scorers, and they're good. Um, but the thing to say there is the system we're deploying right now it isn't offensive it isn't defensive what is it i'm I'm still trying to figure it out um so that that part is really stinky at the moment um and something that's very frustrating uh tonight they played like an offensive team like those early lambert games where they're playing super offensive hockey um or today at noon um they played a you know super offensive branded game they tried their best and they couldn't keep up with the Canes when it went to the power player special team contest. Power play coach is fired. Like that that's that's all I have to say on the matter. The power play coach is fired. You can't keep going like this. It's been the worst power play the Islanders have ever had in my lifetime. And no amount of players, like no new players. We have a new guy who's a great power play player, but they just can't deploy him correctly. Is that on Bow or is that on the coaches? Well, that's for everyone to decide. But you've given them the tools, and Lane finally, at the end of the year, no longer had Barry Trotz's toolkit. He had new tools at his disposal, and they still couldn't fix the power play, which is very frustrating, and even the system changes isn't helping. So super frustrating stuff. I think Lee should be on PP2. I think you move him down the lineup for the last last couple swings here, but we, we've spent a lot of time on the first line, but any any last kind of thoughts here on how this $24 million experiment is failing? Well, for the power um, play, you can go first, Jake. I was just going to say about the power play, it's atrocious, and I, like, I'm pretty sure it's McQueen who runs it. I, they got to do something about it in the offseason, whether that's acquiring some PP merchants or just getting a new coach. I don't think the power play was that bad last year. Um, and it obviously was, the guy... It was real. Um, it's been bad every year. There hasn't been a year. I know, but not, no, 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 not COVID this year. bad, though. Yeah, last year the power play was on fire. Like Dobson ran. I don't know what's what. What did they finish? Dobson ran the power play so much better last year. Yeah, he definitely did. He definitely has taken a step back, and that could be from guy like you know, coaches being able to read his predictions and uh, his antics on the power play. I know I'm wording it terribly right now. Uh, Forgive me, but I don't really. I blame the coach, but I also don't blame the coach. I blame the players more because the power play has never been great. To begin with, it was during our bubble run, it was incredible. No, not the bubble run, excuse me. During the post-bubble run, the uh, weird COVID year, it was really good in the playoffs, too. And obviously, having a good power play in playoffs is what you need. And obviously, we do not have that right now. Rambling, I get it. Long story short, we had Jim Hiller, who used to be our assistant coach, run the power play, and it wasn't great then. And now he's running the power play for the Kings, and they have the fourth best power play in the league, or around there. At some point, it was fourth best towards the end of the year. I don't really think it's on the coaches. I agree. It, you know, probably 50 cents on the coaches, but 
and I think it's more of the players like Barzal and Dobson. These guys aren't helping the power play. Barzal just kills time on the power play. He doesn't really do anything. They don't attack. They just hold the puck and hope they can get the puck to Nelson. That's it. Very simple. It's a really bad power play. Let me look That's for the numbers take. from previous years. You guys talk. I pulled up last year. Last year they were at uh, the percent on the power play was I, – I don't have the power play – Oh, wait, no, I do have the percentage in front of me. Uh, 22%. So that that's okay. good. Yeah, yeah, that's it's really good. A lot better good. than currently. What was that, was, that, was that league-wide? 14th in the league. Wow. Yeah, that's a lot better than I, than I remembered. Yeah, it was, it was a good power play last year. Brock wins the go mode. No, it was really good. But, yeah, that, that's kind of why my take on the power play, where we treated it all year like it was something we could neglect till now. It's just kind of staring us in the face. And we're in a power play contest. I, I think, you know, now to kind of move back into the meta of the series, I don't think Carolina's outplayed us. <laughs> like, is that crazy? Like, I think that's nope. been pretty even most of the series. Um, it's just once it turns into a special team contest – we're failing. And, you know, Sorokin took a couple bad bounces in game two tonight. He could have been a little bit better. But when the great equalizer is taken out of the equation and you're a man down, what, what are you going to do, brother? Like, we're just, we're just not showing up on the power play and it's becoming a power play contest. We're playing our style of hockey and the league's regulating it um, a lot better than they did in 2021, 2020. Uh, you know, yeah, 2020. Uh, but, yeah, no, they're regulating it a lot better. But it's just like super, super frustrating watching what these NHL playoffs have become. And it's across the board. Every game is becoming a power play contest. Power plays are being called up and down and everyone's going, oh, look, hockey's fun again. There's so many goals. So many teams are scoring. But at five on five, the on ice product isn't improving. It's just very, very bland. It's like putting a Band-Aid on a bullet hole. Um, just not really fun, which maybe it's because my team's losing. Maybe I'd have a different take if my team was winning all the time and scoring a ton of power play goals. But it's just like the game stops. You go to the power play. The special teams come out. You have a tense two minutes. Okay, back up five on five. Then minute goes by. Oh, another penalty. We're back at the penalty stage of the game. It's just so many penalties. So frustrating. I, I really am not enjoying these playoffs thus far. No, I said it today myself. We all know that I'm, I don't dislike high-scoring hockey games, but I enjoy watching a good defensive duel. And that's what the playoffs is supposed to be. It's supposed to be teams... I'm not saying they're not supposed to be trying to score, but it's not supposed to be power play central. Everyone knows hockey playoffs are the best playoffs in sports, and they're ruining that. They are absolutely ruining that with all these power plays. There's no flow to the game. There's no rhythm. It's like you said. It's like, oh, another power play. Uh, five icings. Oh, another power play. It's just like there's no rhythm to any game. The The Stars' wild game wasn't too bad today. They made They made a few bad calls. But with the Islander games, I get it. It's two boring teams, and they ice the puck a lot. There's just no rhythm, and then the refs are just killing the game alongside it. It doesn't feel like it's the NHL playoffs right now. And that's not me being a salty Islander fan or, you know, a fair-weather hockey fan. They're refing it like it's game 86 and not game 3 of the playoffs. Grow up. Enough of this crap already. Every night, I get it. You're going to make bad calls. That's fine. Just stop. You can't have 15 power plays in a game. You cannot have this many power plays. Stop it. Now. Stop. There hasn't been a game with 15 power plays, more likely than not. You get what I'm saying, though. 
I'll look at it because there have been games with like 20 minutes of penalty time. I mean, yeah, but those are 10 minute, uh, what's it called? Like misconducts, I won't count. And then I'm not going to count like triple overtime games. That There's only been two double overtime games, I believe. So those don't yeah, count. Yeah, but for the most part, I think every game I've watched, each team spent at least six minutes on the power play. Yeah, it's been like four or five power plays per team, which is ridiculous. Yeah, it's it's it, the games mean more now. You want to have the game decided at five on five, and this is this. I I know there was like a lot of discourse when it wasn't called like this. Uh, when you know they let everyone play playoff hockey and everyone felt job by a no call. But I'd rather it be job by a no call than job by a call. Um, that you know phantom trip or something that the ref bites on and they have to commit to, and then they're like they're like oh we'll reward the other team later. Exactly. And what, what's the point if the other team can't capitalize on that reward? Um, if, if it's a no-call, at least it keeps the game at 5-on-5, five five, which the Mayfield no-call was crazy. And I, I said, like I've said it last pod, I, I really don't like going at the officiating because it's bad across the board. Carolina fans probably feel jobbed on some stuff as well. Uh, that being said, you know, I don't care what Carolina fans think. Uh, but yeah, so it's, it's one of those things where, you know, game five or game two, there was that awful no-call. Um, they called it pretty much down the middle, like really took their – you know, gave the Islanders an edge. But I'd rather not even, like, I'd, of course I'll take the edge, but I'd rather not even have the edge when, you know, you could just leave the game at 5-on-5 five five and the same result's going to happen, um, especially with our feeble power play. And then today, it was just like a referee show. I was at the Yankee game watching, and it felt like every couple minutes the game was stopping to a halt as a power play was called. Which maybe it's it's time for sponsors to get their ad money in. That, that That's the only rational thing I can really think of why there's been so many power plays. But just phantom calls, soft calls, like, calls both ways both ways us and carolina where i'm just like okay guys come on let, let's just move on with the game let them play a five on five and see who the better team is and it's not a power play contest spot on jake anything to say seven <clears throat> seven penalties in the first period today um just absolutely mental <sighs> yeah i i mean you're right it, in every game i might it's not even just an under hurricane thing in every game the refs have been you know taking the show um and it's felt a little different because of that and you know hopefully it changes because you know it's not as fun as it could be and um yeah some game three was fine um penalty wise um i thought we might have gotten a bit of an edge i'd say we got a little bit favored by the refs we did get more power plays in them i don't like i wasn't watching on a tv so i couldn't pinpoint stuff as closely as i would have been able to tonight so i can't give you my like hand over heart truth but if i had to assume we would have got the edge over carolina i think we had like five power plays they had three or something yeah but that, i mean today um the barzell call the preset call i mean the preset call changed the momentum completely it ruined the game it ruined the game yeah. to paint the picture for you guys three minutes or four minutes into the game parisi's driving the net he maybe makes a little bit of contact and then gets shoved in by Jalen Chatfield and the refs blow the whistle, goaltender interference. We're calling goaltender interference in the Stanley Cup playoffs for a play that the puck wasn't even near going in. If the puck went in, fine. Why are we calling goaltender interference in the first period of the game? I don't want to say have better game management, but have better game management. Why? We're just calling stupid penalties. He got one, he got pushed in. Two, it's goaltender interference. 
it's not a penalty that needs to be called. It's not something like a hook or uh, not a hook. Sorry. Yeah, a hook or a high stick. You can let a goaltender interference get away, and everyone's like, "Rah, you let it get away." They're gonna forget about it. You can't let a high stick, a guy bleeding, go. Fine, fair. I get that. All our high sticks, I'm not complaining about. They were penalties and correctly called. But the stupid calls just stop. And then calling Barzal an embellishment after giving them a five on three. I haven't seen the highlight of the Pulak hit on Jack Jury. Everyone I was seeing, they might have been a little bit biased, but they all said that Jack Jury weaned into the, not weaned it, turned away from the hit. Pulak destroyed him. If you want to call it boarding, fine, whatever. You give him a five on three, which never would have happened because we had to call goaltender interference four minutes into a hockey game. I get it. It's a rule. It's a penalty. Why are we calling the stupid ones, though? Call the ones you have to call, not the ticky-tacky calls there. That was a very ticky-tacky call, and we got screwed, and it ruined the game. But then it got worse because we were on the power play. Brent Burns cross-checks Barzal into the boards. Pretty similar to what happened with maybe not similar to what happened with the Pulak play, but it was a clear penalty for cross-checking. They call him for cross-checking, and then they call Barzal for embellishment. What is he embellishing? The penalty? What do you want him to do? Not hit the ice? He got cross-checked by fucking Brent Burns. So you're going to give them a 5-on-3, but you won't give us the 5-on-3. If you're going to screw up, screw teams, give the other team the exact same opportunity to make it up at least. Give them the fair chance. I'm not going to cry anymore, but we never got the 5-on-3 that they got, and they had they got the momentum off that, and everything was off-keen off after that, or off-kilter. I don't care anymore. I'm done talking. Uh, that was my rant. Just make it fair. Game, don't call stupid penalties and stop. Just make it, stop, use your head. Use your head. Something I got to start doing. Because I've forgotten the table for my tailgate today. Um. Yeah, I mean, the point of the preset penalty, shots were 6 nothing Islanders. They had all the momentum for the, at that point in the first period, like Ryan said at the beginning of the episode. And that kind of just changed the whole thing. And the Barzell call was ridiculous. The Pulak hit, I get why people, it, I mean, Drury got hurt, he was out for the game, but he turned his body. Um, so, I mean, reaching to a minor, that's a good call. Nelson, <laughs> interference of Natchez, uh, I guess that's payback for him punching him the other day, but that's a penalty. The Martin one, that's a penalty. That that was stupid. The Martin one was terrible by him. Yeah, yeah he has he has those once a month. The, he did it against the Kings. Um just stupid penalties, and today it cost us. The Kings game it cost us. Obviously, this one's much worse than the Kings game. But uh, yeah, frustrating. But you know, let's hope. You know, you gotta hope they bounce back Tuesday. You know, go back to UBS, and then you know, never know, uh, never say die, as they say. And you gotta be live. Yeah, you gotta. They gotta play a perfect game on Tuesday. That's that's what it comes down to. If you play a perfect game on Tuesday, you get back to UBS and you can probably get away with an imperfect game and win it. But got to play a perfect game Tuesday. Got to push it to six. Got to get back in your back in the stable, as many are calling it. And I think a fun segment. To, uh, I have a fun segment in mind to end off on um, in a little bit. But you got to get back in the barn, uh, back in the stable. Then you can make a mistake and still win the game. But Tuesday has to be an absolutely perfect hockey game. And the Islanders, I 
still feel confident they can push this to seven. I don't know if I can expect them to win three in a row, but I, I feel good about their chances to win Tuesday, all being said today. They just need to make the appropriate lineup corrections and hope for a bit of luck and just play as well as they can. No mistakes throughout the lineup. Yeah, uh, it's doable. It's going to be really tough. And you can go through the guys' press game quotes. I didn't see most of them. I was kind of just looking for the tweets of them because I – I'm not sitting through and listening to them mope and complain like I am doing right now. But I know Wayne made it public that someone, I, I don't know who asked what someone asked him about the Barzal and the Parisi calls, and he said politely that they were both horrible and he saw nothing with either of them. So maybe the league gives us a, you know, like we said last time, maybe they give us a little bit of help. Game five to make the series go longer, and then game six, you're on home home ice really should be winning on home ice and I don't think we don't really know what would have happened because the game was off they played a good 20 minutes even after the five on three but it just wasn't right it wasn't it didn't you know the vibes weren't there No, the vibe was thrown off by that Prize penalty and then the Pulak stoppage, which we're playing the way we need to win. I mean, I, I didn't think the Pulak thing was – like, I think it was the right call that you give a boarding or a roughing on that, even if, you know, Drury probably could have made a better play on the puck there. But, you know, it was a, not the best hit by Pooley, and he has to kind of suffer the event – like, the consequence of being in the moment there. Uh, but, you know, just tough stuff to really get a five-on-three right there – to kind of derail the game because the Parise penalty was horse in the first place. Um, but yeah, no, I really hope we get some luck. I hope the power play can put together one single goal. I feel like for a literal power play, it shouldn't be this hard to think that they can score one goal, but I'm, I'm very desperate on that at the moment. Hey, man, we got one. I'm kind of all... They do have one. Yeah, I'm kind of all words out. So if you guys want to talk some more, uh, I'll give you my take for the nickname thing that Ryan wants to do at the end of this podcast, but you guys can take the, the show. My throat is dead. Cooked. It's going to sound so bad when I re-listen to this, man. I think you sound good. I think your voice sounds deeper and you sound wiser and smarter. But, um, you know, uh, what, what's your take to name the arena? It was always a stable. It was never not the stable. Devin took that and ran with it. I know Jake mentioned on like a podcast or two that something about the bank. That was the stupidest thing I've ever heard. I've heard it called both. I, I prefer I the stable. I hate that. I hate the bank. I, I, prefer, I prefer the stable too, but I, I just saw someone call it the bank. That's fair. I never saw that, so I thought... like I'm not saying you didn't see it, because I can't prove that. That's just stupid, calling it the bank. It definitely should be the stable. I think it definitely, I, definitely fits. Fair. Uh, you guys saw it. I think it's really stupid. Not because of this, but there's already a stadium in New York that's known as the quote-unquote bank in the Key Bank Center. So I think it's kind of a confusing and silly nickname when we just call it the stable because it's right next to a literal stable. I'm cool with it being called the stable. I, I, I saw that video that went viral the other day um, where people just gave UBS random names and some were really good, like the stable and others were really bad. Uh, nothing coming to my mind on any dumb ones at the moment, but I don't mind it being called the stable. Um, you know, going from the barn to the stable, pretty cool idea there. 
Um, yeah, I know AJ said we're, we're going to wrap up here in a minute. But, uh, Jake, any other things to harp in on the series? What do you think of Romanov today? I saw the bad turnover, but besides that, was he bad across the board? I mean, I thought he was fine. I just think it's really funny how yesterday, or not yesterday, uh, game three, everyone's like, Wu did such a good job trading the 13th pick to get Romanov. He's been so good for us. After today's game, I can't believe Lou Trey the 13 picks to get Romano. We could have kept the pick and drafted. Like, it's just the flip flop is awful, man. It's so bad. Yeah, he but... makes one makes one turnover, and yes, brutal turnover, brutal turnover can happen, but that's one mistake. And like, I don't want people judging trade off one mistake. Like, just stop. Alex Romano is here for the next four years. If you don't like the guy? Like, what else do you want him to do? He's still very young. Like, stop. That's what I wanted to talk about before. I forgot about it entirely. The blue slander. And people are just flip-flop back and forth. They've been doing it all year. When the team's good, yay, Islanders. When the team's bad, oh, we suck. Fire lane. Fire Lou. Rah, rah. Stupid shit. I'm not saying to not criticize the Islanders when they're not playing well or to always believe and always have a positive mindset because everyone's different. Everyone can think what they want. But when we're constantly seeing a lot of people just flip-flop depending on what happens in the game, on how they feel. It's like, oh, Lou's done a great job with this team. I don't, I'm, I've said this my entire, for years, I've said this on the podcast every time. I'm a Lou guy through and through. He's, he's worked miracles on me. He had a great deadline. He got the big fish. Is it his fault the big fish hasn't worked out? No, it's not his fault. The contract, to be determined. But the trade, no, I, you do that trade any day of the week. He got Pierre Engvall for a third-round pick. Pierre Engvall's been awesome. He hasn't been scoring in the playoffs, but he's still a very good hockey player, and he's been awesome. I don't. I disagree with Lou Slander entirely. Lane Slander, I still have no opinion on Lane Ball yet. Uh, I, it takes me. It'll take me another year probably, and then I'll finally either hate him or love him and not have an in-between. Right now, I'm fine with Lane, which is ironic because I said I won't have an in-between, but I have one right now. We'll see. I'm still trying to discover more of Lane Ball, see what he can cook up. Still his first year as a coach. And then Romanov. If you're giving Romanov shit, please shut up. Everyone was loving his game, game three. He's been incredible since he got moved with Ryan Pulak. Stop. Stop. He's going to be here for a long time, and he's going to be really fucking good. Yeah, a lot of people have been coming on like Twitter and just blowing up on the team. Like, oh, it's all Lou's fault. Lou's built like this slow and old and bad team. And when you look at it, you know, Cloud Clutterbuck, Matt Martin, and Casey Zizekas were always Islanders, and they were always going to be Islanders. Is it Lou's fault they didn't go out and replace them with, like, Curtis Lazar or some other fourth liner? No, but it makes the team look older. Zach Parise had a great season for himself. He's pretty old. Who cares? He had a great season. Looking the the amount of major media people who go, oh, the Islanders are slow and old and bad. You're looking at like the high end guys who are like 36 or 35 or 34 who are bringing that team's age up. When you look at it, the core of this team is between Noah Dobson on the lower end, being 23 years old, him and Alexander Romanov, to the higher end guys, maybe Andres Lee and Brock Nelson, who are like 31, 32. So that, that's kind of my take on everyone kind of yelling about the how old the team looks and how the future is screwed if they don't do anything here. And what was the parameter for this this year's Islanders team? Get into the playoffs, see if we can make some noise. 
Like that that's at the core. Like, you know, we, we memed, we said like, yeah, let's go win the cup this year. We look awesome. The team looked great at times. We got carried away and everything. Yeah, sure. But like also the goal for this team was to make it to the playoffs. And all these people who two weeks ago, they were like, yeah, this team's not going to make the playoffs. They're no good. They made the playoffs. Um, they won a game in the playoffs. They probably could have won two or maybe three games at this point against Carolina. But to like wake, like wake to use this game as the game to take a referendum on this Islander season is just lazy analysis and really frustrating because, you know, in a nutshell, this game was very bad. Uh, besides the ref discourse we talked about, like a lot of guys weren't at a hundred or didn't play to the best of their abilities. But on the whole, like it's been a successful season for what we thought it could be. Get back to where we started from, make the playoffs again. You know, it's it. We went the gamut this year of emotions, but the team was able to pull it in at the end, make the playoffs, and give you something to build on for next year. A lot of idiots I remember were like, "Oh, the super scary Senators are going to come and make the playoffs, and the Islanders will look bad, and we're going to be in the same spot next year probably, where we're going to be fighting for, uh, you know, a three seed in the Metro or four seed in the Metro unless all falls down with Sorokin." But you know, a lot of people throw a lot of jabs at Sorokin this week. That's very frustrating. Ellie has been all universe talent in net. Um, the best goalie in the world in my opinion and it's just like i get it he had a bad game too but the compounding mistakes are not even bad game too a like yeah he made a couple of mistakes in game two bad game two and then like he kept going and game three he was perfectly you know he was he was elias Sorokin. that's the performance you need of him he can give up one goal but as long as it's only one that's fine and then game, you know, tonight he didn't bail us out on the power play or the penalty kill. Two of those goals, he would have had to make pretty good saves where he was getting overwhelmed at the net, or you know, he didn't stop one breakaway and they gave one up in garbage time. But to have a referendum on Sorokin and be like, yeah, I gotta give Varley the net for game five, like what? How galaxy brain do you have to be to not want to go out with your best weapon? How bad of a take does that have to be to be like, yeah, put Varley out there so that the team can feel like a bunch of assholes without Ilya? Like, that's so stupid. Just put Sorokin out there. If we go down with Ilya, no one's going to be like, man, wish we started Varley game five. No, it's the forwards and the defense and the coaching staff who is on. It's not the all-world talent who might have taken us out of one game we could have won. It's not It's not that. It is the is the amount, like the fact that the team couldn't score more than it could and the power play. It's not on Ilya Sorokin if they lose a series. Anyone calling for Varley to be the goalie for game five or anyone calling for you know Sorokin not to get paid because he had a bad game two and then a mediocre game five or yeah, mediocre game four. Just I, I don't know what to tell you, brother. Yeah, I, I don't know what you're eating for breakfast, but it must not be good because your brain's not working correctly. You mean you don't want Corey Schneider in for a do or die game? No, I can't say I do. And then there's the takes about why didn't they just trade Varley then? Do you understand that goalies are tandems? The way all of the successful teams in the league work is you have one good goalie and then an okay goalie behind them. Varley's a good goalie at that point. But no, you're you're not doing NFL Draft Day, the movie, where you trade Varlamov and then you trade for like a mediocre goalie and then you get that first round pick and then you flip the first round pick for a sniper and then your lineup's set. Like no one does it like that. And if Varley comes back, next year props to him i hope he's able to play more games as an islander but if you want to give varley a swan song here over playing the best kind of tool in your tool shed i don't know what to tell you <laughs> all fair anything else you want to say before we wrap up great movie draft day yeah 
take. That that's a bad take. Draft day is not stop it. Stop it. It's a it's a fun. It's what, an overrated sports movie. People rate it way too highly. It's overrated. I, I like you it just lot. said you. Okay. Oh, yeah, it's a great movie, but it's definitely over, people think it's the best football movie. That's not true at all. It's it's a mediocre movie. I mean, the draft logic there is just so stupid, and the fact that Kevin Costner makes a trade without telling anyone else is like one of the dumbest things in the world. <laughs> he just trades like three first round picks and goes, "Yep, did it. All right, now figure it out, math guy." Um, and then they had trade back in the first round, and you know that's what people expect Lou Lamorello to be doing. Which there's a lot of Lou hate online, and we just talked about it for a while. But like his reputation so strong around the league that everyone thinks they're a smarter general manager than Lou Lamorello because they all think they're the smartest GM in the league that never got hired for a job because they never, you know, knew how to manage people or an organization, but they should all be hired because they have good Twitter accounts and post funny data visualizations. Respect Zach Blood. Zach's done a very good job this playoffs and I uh, I posted the deserve to win a meter at Yankee Stadium today in honor of Zach. Some are saying hashtag Isles, the Kings are down to nothing. If you get the reference, you're a real one. Oh the Kings are up to nothing. I I can't see. Hell yeah, my Kings. Go Kings. They're, they're the team that I want to win if we can win it. Um, yeah, uh, I guess, uh, AJ, I don't know if you want to wrap here, but maybe we could do general playoff stuff, like around the league quick. Uh, series by series. Yeah, we can quickly like do it. I want to perish because I have a massive headache right now. Uh, we'll, we'll kick it through the East real quick. We got the Islanders and the Hurricanes. I think we talked about that one enough. Bruins are up 3-1 on the Panthers. Anything to really say? It's kind of been... The Panthers put up a better fight, but it's still Boston being Boston. Even without Krejci and Bergeron, they're still getting things done. Anything for that series? Or- yeah, no, Panthers have been very... Like, they've been surprisingly better than I thought they would be, but <laughs> just today they were very underwhelming. Devils-Rangers. Uh, Devils suck. We kind of all said the Rangers would win this series. I know we didn't do official predictions on the podcast, but the Rangers have been the better team. Devils did end up beating them in overtime, Dougie Hamilton. I still think the Rangers are going to win five or six, but we'll see. Maybe the Devils pull out another game or two. I don't see them really winning it, but they put up a good fight on the road, so fair game to them. Fair play to them. They played great. Anything on was that? it really the road though? I mean, it felt like you know, it felt like a pretty good split between them and Rangers fans, and you know, well, the kids saw the bright lights and kind of folded, and VTech wound up being who we all thought he was. I mean, Vin, how many Devil fans did you see? Not that many. I mean, there were a few. Vin said he has seen a few Devil fans, so that means, oh my God, Anze Kopitar three nothing, McDavid. McRegular season is going to be out of the playoffs again. It's a sad day. Uh, The last series, sorry, in the East. Toronto and Tampa. Been a pretty good series, controversial series. That video of uh, What's-His-Face Dubas, I love that so much. That's what the playoffs are about, getting all fired up, yelling at people. I saw some people crying about that. That is, I don't know if, I don't think he was, you know, making fun of the guy, uh, Braden Point being injured, but he was just telling fans to fuck off, I'm pretty sure. And if that's the, that's it, I love it. Fire me up. That video was awesome. The fans were giving it to him and he gave it right back. That's, Good. That's, that's, Playoff that's hockey. Not this fucking power play crap. 
to be fair, that series is swallowed by the power play crap. It is, um, but you it's know unwatchable what I mean. for me just how bad the power plays have been. I haven't watched much of it because the Rangers are on at the same time because the league can't really manage the schedule. We play at 1 p.m. today. No one plays at 1 p.m. yesterday. I'm not trying to say, oh, why do we get this and other teams don't. Why don't we have the schedule just the same way? Have hockey on the entire day rather than having the Rangers on at 7 and Toronto on at 8. Just spread the games out so I don't have to pick. So stupid. Stupid, stupid, stupid. On the West Coast, let's start off with L.A. and Edmonton. L.A. surprising a lot of people. I I knew they'd give them a better series than a lot of people said they would because, you know, oh, Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisaitl, Nugent Hopkins. The way the Kings play, both times we played them were out of this world incredible, and they really left a nice impression. Well, not nice. I was pretty pissed off that we lost both times, but they left an impression on me, the way they're able to control their own their own defensive zone and not really allow high danger chances or even many chances they just play hard they block lanes they close off lanes and they do a great job of that and they've done that yes they've been lucky with the velarde high stick do you guys think that was a high stick i don't really know if it's that close i get it if i was an Oilers fan i'd be crying myself but it was really 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 close and kind of hard to tell if it was a high stick or not so as a neutral i wasn't too peeved about the call yeah i i thought it was a 50 50 call like you you know, in playoff overtime, you don't really want to make that call. Um, no one's happy. You can't. You can't make a like. Oh, you can't make it even for everyone. It sucks. That one. Yeah. You know, it wasn't like egregious, like the Mayfield one where they missed it. Um, but yeah, it was unfortunate. Um, I I don't know. I love this Kings team. I think that you know this is the prospect hater in me. But they went out and got good NHL players, let their own guys develop, and were able to make the next step without having to rely on the kids. And eventually the kids have come good. Byfield's been pretty good in the series. There's yep. been a bunch of guys lower in their lineup with the expectations turned down. Flaherty's been very good for them too. Valori's a little older, right? Valori's like 24 he, at this point. He might, yeah, but he was still first round, former first-round pick. I think he's 23, if I had to guess. Former first-round pick, and he was a rookie two years ago. Yep, 23. He's, he's 23, you're right. But, uh, yeah, no, I, I like Velarde when I was drafted. But, like, they're not relying on the Turcots or the Byfield. They're relying on Kopitar and Deneau to shut down McDavid. Um, and then they have Braden Clark on the back end. Like, thank God they didn't trade for Chikrin because they might be able to pull this series out while he's, uh, mm-hmm. you know, prayers up for Jacob, but he's rehabbing injuries. I, I love this Kings team. I love that uh, Corpusala has been able to step up in a big way for them. I, I think this team rocks, and I really hope they get the job done here against Edmonton. They're going to, in my opinion. Jake, anything I, on the series? I went back. Uh, sorry, Jake. I'll, I'll let you speak in a sec. Um, but I went back and listened to our preseason prediction pod, and we wound up doing like a good 10 minutes on Vegas versus the Kings, who's the best team in the Pacific. Um, I think they're on a collision course for round two, so we're going to get our answer. Who did I say? I probably said the Kings because I didn't rate Vegas. You said the Kings. I said Vegas. And now if you ask me, I'd probably say the Kings as well. I still don't rate Vegas, we'll Vegas, even though they won the Pacific. I don't rate them at all. I mean, not at all. Eichel's really good. They have really good players like Mark Stone. They're not They're not winning the Stanley Cup. I would put a lot of money on them not winning the Cup this year. Yeah, I, the, the thing I wanted to say on the playoffs is there's been a lot of goalie matchups that have been very weird. Like, you know, if you go through each team, it's bona fide number one in Boston against, like, 
Alex Lyon, who you saw playing for like the Lehigh Phantoms. Um, you know, it's Andre Vasilevsky, one of the greatest goaltenders of our era, versus Ilya Samsonov, who's just starting to put it together this year in Toronto. It's Ilya Sorokin, one of the best goalies in the world, going up against um, Antti Ranta, who's, you know, a journeyman at this point. Um, it's Igor Shesterkin versus uh, Vitek Vanacek, and now Akira Schmidt, who is just a weird dynamic. But then in the West, outside of, I guess, Hellebuck, and Otter and Gustafson, all of these goalies are pretty pretty weak, and it's like a lot of matchups of weaker goalies. And the fact that Corpusalo is like the best goalie in like that Vegas Kings Oilers mix, we'll see if like the best goalie in the Pacific Division, I guess. Yeah, I, I, yeah, it's, it's just weird to me that he's the best out of that mix. He's good, unless you have some love for Grubauer. Corp, no, Grubauer is terrible. Grubauer sucks. As a person who's watched a good amount of Kraken games, he's bad. Uh, yeah, Corpy's it's, pretty good though. It's interesting. I like Corpy. Yeah. I'm happy. I'm very happy. I didn't happy think he had him. this in him though. I mean, you, you gotta look at it and definitely have to blame how bad Columbus is. So moving yeah, on. Yeah, definitely. He went really sorry, I know we want to kill the point and let Jake talk, but um, you know, they he totally turned his career around like in LA or this season in general. We'll let Jake cook on another. Uh Jake, do you have anything to say or Move, should we move on to the stars? Nothing crazy. Uh, they should trade McDavid to the Islanders. That's about it. That's a W take. The stars versus the Wild. This one is very appealing to me. Uh, similar to the Kings, the Wild play a more defensive, boring style of hockey. And they have one of the best players on the planet, Kirill Kaprizov, obviously. If the Wild could beat the stars, I really have them going far. I can see them winning the cup. They, I know, like, it's a hot take, but. The Wild are really good. They are a really well-built team, considering they're still paying for Ryan Suter and Zach Parisi's contracts, I believe. Bill Garrett has done an awesome job there. They literally traded Cam Talbot, Talbot excuse me, and got a better goaltender. They've done great. I really rate the Wild. and I, I'm, If we unfortunately get knocked out, I'll be rooting for the Wild. Yeah, I think whoever wins this series is a really good shot coming out of the West. Um, we'll see how Dallas or we'll see how Dallas is without Pavelski against the Avs, but the Avs look not weaker. They they still looked awesome against the Kraken last night, but I, I think that the Avs are beatable this year with what they have going on in net and also some of the slowdown without Landeskog. But I you know, that is a really interesting series. I love Minnesota's team this year. They just never get it done in the first round. But if they win one round, I think they have a really good shot at making the conference finals and maybe even going on cup run yep you've seen me rave about this wild team for a few weeks now so jake anything to say yeah i mean i, I really like dallas's uh forward core i'm a big andre guy so i hope they win uh but the wild are a very well coached team they play boring style and they have a superstar in caprizon so i think that's obviously going to go seven uh the abs look like they're going to get it done in short fashion but i really like the kraken's team this year so if Shane Wright coming up, so they're gonna be they're gonna be back obviously, um, love them. Uh, so it's been been entertaining in the West, so to say. Moving on, we got Vegas and the Jets, the Vegas Golden Knights against the Winnipeg Jets. With all due respect to both teams, I don't think I've cared less about a series my entire life. I just I'll watch it. Don't get me wrong. If it's the only game on, I'll watch it. I just don't care about either team. They both stink. Yeah. yeah, 
No, I, I mean, I've, I've watched some of the series just because, like, I'm interested on how far this Vegas team can really go because not many people are talking about it. They have Jack Eichel, and uh, he's playing really well he is. after game one. He, he had a bad game one, but game two and game three, he's been really good. And I think, you know, for as much love as everyone goes, oh, wouldn't it be so cool to see McDavid win a cup or Matthews win a cup? Jack Eichel winning a cup would be pretty fucking cool in my opinion. Like he's that level or he's not that level of superstar, but like in the tier below the McDavid's and the Matthews of the league in terms of true talent, he's probably the most talented player left in it. Like, you know, there's uh, I guess the uh, Colorado too, but they've already won the Stanley cup, but you know, that Kaprizov Robertson Eichel tier of superstar. I'd like to see one of them win it. Yeah. I I'd be. I like Eichel. I'm. I don't hate Vegas. I know. I want Jake to rant about Vegas because he hates Vegas with a passion, or at least he used to. Vegas is fine. I just don't care. Like I just really do not care about. I don't want to watch the Winnipeg Jets. I watch them way too much, and they stink. Jake rants about yeah, Vegas. Sh- yep. Yeah, shout out. But before Luke. before before I rip it to Vegas and their awful traumatic Twitter account that should never be made. Um, yesterday, um, I like the Jets, you know, they got Nino Niederreiter, they did the whole whiteout thing, Jesse Pollock, all that. Um, the game was on a few hours before every other game, and I was like, really? Like, am I really going to watch this right now? Um, I ended up watching it, because I was watching the Yankee game, Anthony Volpe hit a homer, um, the walk-off, walked it off, and then, like, how this game really, really isn't, like, pulling me in here. Um... Vegas took a 4 on lead, and obviously Winnipeg came back. Um, I still think Winnipeg will make it a series. Um, sucks they couldn't win that one. They had all the momentum in the end. Obviously, that's what happens when you come down from 4-1. Uh, the crowd was into it, as as it should be. Um, I think it'll be 7, um, but I don't know. I, I hate Vegas, and I love Jack Eichel. It just really sucks that they have him. Um and they also have Vin's favorite player, Alec Martinez. Am I right? He gave you the middle finger. I, I can't. It's a podcast, so you know I can't really. That's why. That's why know. I had to. Say yeah. It. Yes. <laughs> All right. Let's wrap this stuff up. One more series: Avalanche and the Kraken. Shout out to the Kraken. Uh, I've said I like the Kraken a lot on this podcast. They've really played well. They've given the Avalanche a better series than anyone could have really guessed. I'm happy for them, and they still have Shane Wright coming through, like we said. I know we kind of talked. Wait, how did someone brought up Shane Wright before? I'm someone, so... yeah, some Jake. We Jake just ran through the. Someone has if it's not a three-person podcast. No, it's fine. Jake just brought up the abs quick and like how that. Team... I thought I thought I thought you guys talked about. No, we didn't. I was because I, I was going through it on my phone. I'm like yeah. I'm like I remember someone mentioning Shane Wright because I was like, yay, Shane Wright. But uh, the Avalanche man. Watching Nathan McKinnon, uh, Ryan, you really disliked Nathan McKinnon last year. What do you think of him now? He's still good at hockey. He's still really weird with his diet stuff. Fine. That's a very fair and I'd say a good take. That goal he scored last night was out of this world good. He's so awesome, man. And I, if they win back-to-back, I'm cool with that. I, I love Nathan McKinnon. He rocks. 
bleh, boring, don't want to see it again. No, 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 thank you. I saw it last year. I didn't like it. I don't want them to go on a, a multiple cup run and we have to like keep talking about how good the Avs are. Um, they're, they're, you know, they're fragile this year. If Seattle, Seattle could have won, you know, game two or game three. They just, you know, let the Avs be the better team. But if they played a little, a little more confidence, this, this Avs team can be taken. And next round, I think it'll happen between Dallas and the Wild. I think that the Jets uh, lose and, you know, I think, Vegas beats the Jets in five, and I think this Av series goes five, but I'd really like the Kraken to make it six. I would like to see that. Uh, we'll see. They've impressed the hockey world. And with that, let's wrap it up because I got stuff to do. Uh, so thanks, everyone, for listening. You can find us all on Twitter. AJ's on Twitter, at DeVito Hockey. Jake's on Twitter, at Prime Jakey. I'm on Twitter at Ramarin. Um, you can find the podcast on Twitter at Skates and Stakes. Links to other socials are up there. What about um, Vin? Aside... Our Ranger correspondent. Come on, man. Gotta give him a shout out. Oh, yeah. Vin's on Twitter <laughs> at Adam Fox, your mother. Thanks for the good analysis on the podcast, Ben, to tell us Chris Crutcher's good. Um, we appreciate that. Uh, but yeah, aside from that. You know, pretty pretty good stuff. We'll probably go again this week, depending on when the Islanders end uh, their season or move on to the next round. We'll see what happens the next couple days. Uh, but we'll we'll expect another podcast by the end of the week. But let's go. Let's go, Islanders. Win game five, win the series, you know. Just, just keep pushing forward. Yep. See you guys, hopefully, next time with some more positive news. Peace out, everybody.